I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Healy's away. Australia are away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth Welcome to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. Now we're at the pointy end of WBBL 06. We've got four semi-finalists locked in. LJ, who's in? We have the Melbourne Stars. Finished top of the table. They will play the Perth Scorchers on Wednesday night. And then the Brisbane Heat... Aiming for that three-peat, take on the Sydney Thunder on Thursday. Very good. It's going to be an absolute cracker. So we chatted to Team of the Tournament and Melbourne Stars member Alana King just before. And, of course, Kristen Beams is helping us look ahead to those mouth-watering semi-final clashes. But first things first, LJ, what was your favourite moment of last weekend? It was seeing the Renegades pick up one last win for the tournament. It's been a really tough year for them. So to come out and pull off that run chase against the Sydney Sixers was remarkable. Lizelle Lee finally hit her straps to the tournament and Courtney Webb, brilliant again with the bat, but that catch, catch of the summer. How about you, Em? And for me, I think it was the very next day with the Sydney Sixers facing a very tough road to get into the finals. I think Elisa Healy knew that it was impossible, but it didn't stop her. She came out at North Sydney Oval and put on a show for all the fans in Magenta. She hit a 48-ball 100 and finished on 111 off 52 balls. So she was absolutely smoking the ball to all parts of the ground and it was an absolute joy to watch. And LJ, it's not just finals week in the WBBL Village, it is also awards week. So we've got the team of the tournament already announced, as well as the player of the tournament and Rebel Young Guns. So Sophie Devine's gone back to back. She is once again player of the tournament. And Darcy Brown, the young quick from the Adelaide Strikers, is the Rebel Young Gun this year. LJ, you're a selector on the team of the tournament panel. Are you able to talk us through what the top order looks like? Absolutely. So um, myself, Mel Jones, Lisa Stalaker and Australian selector Sean Flegler have been having regular discussions through the season, had a big meeting on Monday and knuckle than our team of the tournament and the top three is actually identical to last year we've got Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney as the openers for different clubs this year but again at the top of the order followed by Meg Lanning 
again, new club, this time at the Stars, and we named her captain of our team too after steering the Stars into the finals for the first time. Sounds like a pretty handy top order to me. And what about in the middle order? A few all-rounders in there? Absolutely. We've got a couple of internationals to join Divine. We did keep it to a, a limit of three overseas players in keeping with the tournament rules. So Heather Knight was an absolute lock for number four. She's been tremendous helping the Thunder into the finals this season. Picked up some wickets with her off spin as well. She was followed by Nat Sipper, the one of the leading wicket takers in the whole comp, who has just been brilliant for the Melbourne Stars. She slots in at number five. And followed by one who I don't think many people would have picked prior to the start of the tournament at number six, the Heat's Laura Kimmins, who has just become the ultimate finisher for the Heat. She's striking at 200, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and she's earned her spot alongside our guest on today's show at number seven, Alana King, the uh, leggy who has also been whacking a few sixes. Yeah, it's been great to see a few Smokies in there. And there's also a few um, bowlers in the team of the tournament that probably not many people would have picked, hey? There are, yes. Um, we've got the former Australia pacer Sarah Coit as the sole Adelaide striker in the team. She was, again, one of the, the equal leading wicket takers and had a superb tournament with the ball. One player we may not have expected at the start of the tournament coming in at number nine was the Perth Scorchers' Tennille Peschel, who has had her best ever season with the ball. Um, with Sophie Devine bowling a bit less this year, she's really stepped up and, and led that pace attack brilliantly to get them into the finals. Uh, and rounding out the pace attack is... Thunder young gun Hannah Darlington, who um, had a breakout first year last year, but what really impressed the selection panel was the fact that she backed it up this year and went even better right at the top of the wickets table, brilliant at the death, had that superb Yorker to bowl Meg Lanning, um, and that's what saw her claim that final pace spot. And the last spot at 11 went to a spinner, the Thunder's Sam Bates, another person who um, may not have been a... An obvious choice at the start of the season but has been critical for the Thunder in getting them through to the finals and she just etched out Jess Jonathan for that left arm bowling position and we did also pick 12th with um, young Darcy Brown. And the team of the tournament was all unveiled in a very special night in the WBBL village which was pretty unique. It's not often that we would have the whole all, all the teams and all the players in the one spot so it was good to all come together in the village on the eve of the semi-finals. We're now lucky enough to be joined by Melbourne Stars leg spinner Alana King from the WBBL Village. Kingy, thanks for joining us on The Scoop. A couple of random questions to get you going. Firstly, we want to know how many coffees are you drinking in the WBBL Village at the moment? Um, I would stick to just the one, um, although coffee really doesn't do anything for me. Um, it's just more for social thing and you kind of look good, so I'll have a latte in the morning and that's about it. And what was your first job? First job was the tennis coach at my local club. Um, I was, I've played there since I was five years old and when I was a legal age to, to work, my coach asked me if I wanted a job and I was like, absolutely. So it wasn't anything too strenuous. It was more just picking up all the balls and bagging the courts and all that. But, um, I learned the ropes really quickly and he got me on board, which I still love and I help him out to this day. And what is the best holiday you've ever been on? Best holiday? Oh, that's that's not fair. Surely every holiday is the best holiday. Like you get you get out and about. Um, best holiday, I think, 
as a person who's travelled a fair bit, been lucky enough, I think last year my Europe trip was amazing. Um, I got to spend six, five, five weeks in, in Europe um, exploring a little bit of that. Um, and there's definitely places that I would love to go back and explore more of Europe, absolutely. What were you like as a high school student? Um, a kid who just wanted to play sport and picked sport just to miss class pretty much for the day. Um, any sport that came up at school, I was like, yep, I'm going to sign up for this. And I just tried to miss as much school as I can. So yeah, it wasn't my thing being in a classroom. I'd rather be on a pitch or on an oval. So yeah, that was me. And can you, onto the Melbourne Stars, you've been with the Stars since WBBL01. Are you able to just tell us a little bit about why you love the club and your early memories of the first days with the Stars? Yeah, I guess all clubs will say that they're a family club, but I truly believe that the Stars are actually a, a big family, whether it's just within the players and the support staff, but it's more the the staff in the office as well. I think uh, there's plenty of nights where we've all got together, had dinner, had a couple of drinks, um, and you actually get to know them as people rather than what they do as a job for us. Um, and I've become pretty close with a few of them and, uh, yeah, I just have loved being being in green from from one and it's been such a roller coaster ride, um, and it's really nice to taste a bit of success this season. I guess not making finals at all for the first five years, and then um, WBBL six, we get a few new players in, we get Meg back, which is awesome, uh, new new coach as well, and I think it's just really rejuvenated the team, and someone who has been there from one, it's just you've seen a massive shift. Um, in in what the team's all about and how we play our brand of cricket, which is just so attacking. It's free. Um, a lot of the girls are playing with plenty of freedom, including myself, including Meg. I don't think I've seen her hit a ball that hard and that cleanly before, and that, that just comes from the confidence side of things. And, yeah, I think Trent has just instilled a lot of belief in us and we are better than what we shelter ourselves to be, I guess. Uh, so it's just been... Yeah, it's just been quite refreshing and it's, yeah, and I guess winning does help. So it brings everyone a bit closer. Yep, we didn't have the start to the tournament we wanted with a few washouts, but that really didn't get in our way. Uh, we were there to play our brand and that's it's taken us to the top of the table, which is something we should be really proud of and I'm really proud of to be a part of it. It is just such an impressive change when you think two wins last year, really tough season. You don't even meet Trent or start training with him until a few days before the tournament starts. It's pretty impressive that you guys have just clicked so quickly. What were those first few meetings like when you, you first met Trent and Meg came back? Yeah, I've lucky lucky enough to know Trent since 01. He was our list manager. So I've had a few few beers with him over the years um, and I've known that he's worked with the, the men's program quite a bit. So when he first – our first team meeting was we're not going to be having meetings. Like he, uh, he keeps things really simple. He's like we don't need to overcomplicate things. Everyone will know their role when it presents itself to them. So he was just all about believing in ourselves. Um, T20 is about a, a very attacking game. And yes, it ebbs and flows. Uh, and is it like a roller coaster? Like one ball can change a momentum. Um, so we just got to make sure we were, we'll ride those, but make sure we do what we do best um, and stick to what, stick to our guns really. And I think that's, from that moment uh, the, and that first game we, we played off and we actually got the win, uh, which was against Hobart Hurricanes. I think that was our first 
game that didn't get called off for rain uh, after a few washouts. That was just like, right, we've started and let's just continue continue on this ride and this is how we're going to play because it was some exciting stuff. And with, you know, the inclusion of Meg back into the team, Catherine Brunt, Nat Siver, one of the best all-rounders in the world, I think they just they just brought so much energy and having Nat back uh, when she played 01 and 02 with us, just having her back, she's come back with so much more experience, so much more knowledge and, yeah, it's, it's just a really good group to be a part of and I generally can't stop smiling and I'm so proud of this group. On uh, We've copped a lot of bit, uh, copped a fair bit in the past and to now really show what we're actually made of and to finish on top of the table, I think it's a, yeah, it's a real club effort from all the way from the people in the offices uh, to the players and the staff here. I think it's been a really good job. And we've, you spoke about a bit of the freedom that you guys have been playing with. We've seen that with some of the young players like Tess Flintoff and Sophie Day just being given the ability to play in those big moments. What's it been like seeing having them sort of, yeah, being given that op- opportunity? Great to see uh, someone like Soph who literally was, I think, um, it was named as a netballer last year at the Stars and to actually come into the team and, do as well as she's done. I think she's just learning on the job, which has been great for us. And someone like Tessie, who's just, who's like a sponge, who wants to take in as much information and as much advice as possible. I think uh, that that's also just, you know, Meg, Meg actually giving them the ball in pressure situations to, to say that she trusts them, you know, like you're picked in the team because you can play. So obviously you're going to be throwing the ball or, or the bat um, at any stage. So, yeah, it's just I think that we've really built this um, culture, I guess, around confidence and just believing in yourself. Uh, and I'm not saying that we didn't have that in the past, but I think it's uh, being in a hub environment when we re- literally are kind of stuck together. Um, we have found the balance of being together as a team, um, but also giving each other space. And that's that's the beauty of being in being in a six week tournament, um, pretty condensed as well. And you spoke about Trent and like his sort of different way of doing things. Is there something like what does he do at training? Like is there something you can pinpoint that's sort of different than to what other coaches you've had in the past? He's really big on us hunting boundaries and being really aggressive with the bat. Uh, and that's where whole power, power hitting of um, what he's worked with, with uh, some of the top men like Glenn Maxwell and Marcus Stoinis. Players like that who are such explosive, he's trying to filter that into the into the women's game, and that's been uh, re- really refreshing, actually. Rather than uh, being a bit on the back foot, I guess not metaphorically or literally, but um, yeah, I think just having someone who's like all wants to go all out, I think that's that's how T Twenty should be, and that's how it's been successful um, with a team who's been the most aggressive. And just on your own form taking bulk wickets, hitting sixes. Is this the best season you've had in the WBBL? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm just um, – it was definitely tough missing the first few games of the season, but um, I knew I was always going to be there for the team and what the team required me, so I made sure I just kept working hard um, at training and to give myself every opportunity to – if that opportunity does come, that I'm well prepared. And, and that's what I did, and I'm just – it's just really nice to have like the whole team backing me and knowing that to play to my strengths really. And yeah, the sixes are coming off because I've done plenty of power hitting work before with my coach, Carl Sandry back home. Um, we we've been working really hard in the last 18 months to two years on that game. And I'm just, 
really happy that it's on. It can be on show this season and having the backing of Meg and and Trent um, to tell me don't bother blocking it. Just absolutely try hit the pickets. I think I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try hit the pickets every ball here. Um, and it was funny against the Renegades when I. I left the first ball. It was just running in my mind. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I leaving a ball? Um, and then Meg just came up to me at the end of the game. She's like, none of that, please. Just absolutely swing hard um, and slog a few and because you're capable of doing it. And, yeah, I think I'm just having plenty of fun with this group. And we're – yeah, I think that's the main thing. And I've said it um, before, this group is just having plenty of fun and that's what's getting the best out of us. Uh, trainings aren't so structured um, and it's just giving people the freedom and, you know, everyone's a prof- professional ath- athlete in the in the group. So you know what you need to get done and if you don't know what you need to get out of the session, you ask the question. But some of us, you know, have played long enough that you can kind of be like, right, I just need a hit or I just need a bowl. And then it's pretty flexible. So not having to... Knowing that you've got three-hour training block, but you don't have to be there for the three hours, has just been, yeah, been really good because it means that you're getting the best out of yourselves in those trainings and not having to train because you need to train and you need to fill in time. It's all about making sure you're ready for for, for game day. Do you reckon the Melbourne Stars have embraced the sort of the hub environment possibly more than other teams have? Like, do you think you guys have sort of just gone with it like this is what it is and just kind of tried to enjoy it yeah there was plenty of discussion early on um on what the hub looks like how it will feel um and I just think at the start we all stuck together pretty well because no one's been in this environment apart from the Aussie players just before coming into this but it's a very new season that we're we were leading into so you know we we made sure that we were all there for each other but made sure we had enough space as well, even though the space could only be your own room because you eat meals with 300 people or you try to get a coffee and you're speaking to 10 more people in the line. Like, um, yeah, I think we've just been, we've just had a cool, had a cool head on ourselves. And I think that's what's been really refreshing in the, in the hub. And you can get caught up quite easily in, in all the drama that's happening, like with other teams and stuff, but we actually don't worry about other teams or, uh, not that we don't, well, yeah, almost like we don't care, but like uh, we were just trying to say, all right, this works for us, let's stick with this. If it's not working, speak up and you've got 20 people around you to to help out in whatever you need. And what have you guys been doing to entertain yourselves when you're not playing cricket on the Stars floor? Uh, well, we've been playing a fair bit of cards. Um, unfortunately, my room is right next to the team room, so if I'm trying to have a... A quiet, um, relaxing afternoon in my room. Um, I can hear some some screaming and some competitive juices flowing in the room next door. Um, we've had a couple of movie nights. Well, not yeah, a couple of movie nights. Um, dinners together. Like today, we just actually had a, a team lunch just to get together to make sure everyone's all good, ready going into the semifinals, our uh, first semifinals appearance. So yeah, plenty of cards, plenty of dinners together in the team room. Um, and yeah, we, we all love to get around each other and I love to play music as much as possible. So I'll always have my speaker on me as I've just brought my speaker in here from the gym. So, um, yeah, I'm always controlling the tunes. Well, I, I like to take control of, yeah, of what we listen to. What kind of music do, the, do you make the stars listen to? Oh, I've had to be pretty diverse in the selection. So I've made a list of a playlist of different types of music that I know 
everyone would like. Um, yeah, I kind of have to be a crowd pleaser. I can't play all the R&B tunes that I love getting down to or, or, or booging to, uh, but I know they appreciate that I, I love just to, you know, bring the good vibes and I'll have a bit of a dance, whether it's in warm-up or anything, just because I, I just love music and I love what it does to people. It just um, it brings a different side to them and a sense of calmness, I guess, um, when music's played and even at trainings, like it can be pretty intense sometimes. But if you've got some music in the background, I think it just takes people's mind off it for a short while and then they can refocus on what they need to be doing. So, yeah, I'm going to have to be a, 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 pr- a crowd pleaser in the music department. And just uh, talking about your year, you made the big switch from Victoria to WA. What was the reason behind the move and, and how did you find your WA preseason? Yeah, it was a very big decision I had to make um, and I've loved being at Victoria for the last five years that I've played for them. Um, but Meg's actually quite spoilt for choice in, in the bowlers she has and uh, she's got six Australian bowlers uh, in the team, which is phenomenal for Victoria, Victoria um, and hats off to them for you know, creating those players. But it was just an opportunity to, to bowl a bit more um, and I just wanted, yeah, I just wanted to, to bowl a bit more overs in the in the 50-over game. Um, and it was obviously hard because Meg had Soph, Molly, uh, Wareham as well, just the spinners who are in the Aussie squad as well. So uh, even when I did get my opportunity, I was grateful for. I was still sitting in the best 11. But, yeah, it was just a, a decision that I had to make and um, hope that it bettered my, my cricket and... Since moving over there, I think it just refreshed me quite a lot. And I think I've actually just come into this environment really refreshed, um, loving cricket. And, yeah, worked really hard in the off-season in WA with the coach, Becky Grundy. She's a spinner as well. So been doing a bit of work with her, with Bo Casson as well. Um, and it's just a really good group of girls there. All, well, we're all around similar age. Um, you got... Some are a little bit older and some really young ones, but I guess I've played with some of those girls in junior tournaments and in Aussie stuff before. So it was just, yeah, I think it was just a nice refresh environment um, and just a really good group of girls and support staff over in WA. Was it a hard decision to make moving away from your family and your friends and stuff like that? And what's different about living in Perth compared to Melbourne? Yeah, it was hard moving across the, the country, but... Um, I actually have some family in Perth, so it actually made it um, easier, especially for mum and dad, knowing that um, I'll have some family over in the West and I'm actually currently living with them at the moment. So just to find my feet in a new city. Uh, I know my cousins are loving me having B over there, which is which is awesome. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, living situation... It's a very chilled environment. Uh, it's a relaxed lifestyle and actually suits me really well. Um, they, they say there's traffic in Perth. I'm what, yet, yet to witness it um, because I think their traffic is maybe a three-minute hold-up on the, on the highways. But, yeah, I think it's just a – it's almost like a backward city, but I love it because um, everyone's quite relaxed. Um, they've got some beautiful beaches and it's such a big city that it's actually not overpopulated. Um, so there's, yeah, there's plenty of ground to, to cover in WA and I'd love to travel both north and south of, of WA. And you've spoken before about your ambitions to one day crack the Australian team. What do you think you need to do to get to that next level? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to be putting on the green and gold one day, but 
Um, I think it's just tweaking tweaking areas in my game, whether it's um, in all like the the batting, bowling and feeling point of view, but it's also like the the fitness side of things, the strength side of things. Um, I'm, I'm working really hard on those aspects to ensure that, you know, I'm putting myself in a good position. Um, I actually, yeah, it's it's quite hard, like, because I'm not a, a runner. Like, I hate running, but I know I've got to do it to actually get better. So uh, that's one thing that's been my focus going over to WA. I've wanted to improve that side of things. And, you know, once I see um, some improvement, I know it's going to put me in good stead and hopefully uh, put my name in some headlights, which will, yeah, which will be really nice to, to see. And we've spoken about the change at the stars from WBBL 01 to WBBL 06. What about yourself? How do you see yourself as changing and evolving as a player in that time? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, looking back to how I was bowling in 01, I was a, a very inexperienced leg spinner, but um, I was given the chance to play, which was something that I'll always be grateful for. But I think these days in, in T20 cricket, the girls are getting a lot stronger, a lot quicker, which means... Um, you've got to evolve your game, and if I keep bowling these juicy half vo- like full tosses, pretty much, um, you're just going to get pretty much picked out. Um, so I've I've really worked hard on bowling more into the wicket um, with a bit more energy at the crease, and uh, that's what's helped me this season. Like, um, yeah, I, leg spinners are still going to get hit. Um, that's the nature of the game, but um, you're still putting yourself in an attacking position and trying to still be that attacking bowler, which is going to create chances and, and wickets. And, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing that I've have had to continue um, improving every year is that, right, batters are going to keep coming hard at me, so how can I um, improve my game so they're actually hitting to the areas that I want them to hit. And even having chats with Meg this year, even with Elise Villani as well, uh, we've had some really good chats on what's actually a good length for me um, in this tournament and where I want to be hit. So, yeah, I think they – and, like, Meg r- will remind me um, at the top of my mark sh- what she wants me to do. And, yeah, you just sometimes need that reminder because you just don't want to be fishing for wickets um, as soon as you do that. And I've done that in the past. You actually lose sight of what you're actually – what your job's there to do. Um, so, yeah, they've been a really good support. And even Trent – speaking to Trent about leg spin as well, he's worked with Zamps – um, and I tap into his knowledge as well because I'll tap into resources that I haven't come across because I want to compile all my notes on what works for me um, and see what's worked for other spinners in the past. So um, having his knowledge on Adam Zampa and what's been successful, you know, I can put into my game and try different things as well. So, yeah, he's also helped in a bowling point of view as well. And just lastly, Kingy, we've seen so many clubs and so many players being proactive in taking a stand against racism, coming together. We've seen yourself taking a knee. Are you able to just tell us a little bit about your motivations for doing this and why it's a cause you feel so strongly about? Yeah, absolutely. I think just um, being a person of colour, like I think we're, we're exposed to a little bit more racism than what um, your your average Joe is. Um, and yeah, being, being a victim of racism in the past, like having my family being victims of racism in the past, I'm like really strong about it because um, I've been in that situation. So you kind of know what, what's happening. And, um, yeah, I guess the what's happening around the world at the moment, it's really stirred, stirred uh, I guess, the, the conversation. But um, I'm glad that, you know, we, we had the opportunity to 
to do that and uh, uh, the stars were all behind it as well and they were they were supporting me um and which was which was awesome um so when you have an organization such as the stars which is a really well known not just in australia but around the world um supporting that cause i think it just shows where where this club sits and what they stand for so yeah it's it's something that i'll always be a, a big uh believer passionate uh, passion for so yeah that's pretty much where I stand in it. Kingy it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the scoop thank you for joining us and we wish you all the very best for the WBBL finals. Alrighty we're here again with Kristen Beams. Beamsy we've got 56 matches of the regular season done and dusted got our semi-finalists locked in after a super exciting weekend of cricket what was your favourite moment? Well my personal favourite moment is probably not everyone's favourite moment but the Stars being the first team to qualify for the WBBL finals was a very personal highlight for me but I think in terms of performance it'd be hard to go past Elisa Healy's 100. I think that was something very special and I'm glad that the fans got to see that before the Sixers bowed out. Yeah and before we get stuck into the semi-final matchups we were um, discussing recently what we think the gap between the international that we think the gap between internationals and local players is getting smaller with people like Courtney Webb, Neil Peschel, Maddie Penner and Laura Kimmins performing as genuine match winners on multiple occasions. Do you reckon that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I do. And I think the, the Brisbane Heat are a really interesting example for that for me is that they've always prioritised their domestic players over their international players and we've mm-hmm. seen them sit their international stars out. And it nearly seems like the Heat were a little bit ahead of the curve and giving those opportunities. So... For that reason, I think it's not a surprise that we're seeing the heat now in the semifinals. And I think we'll see more and more teams do that. We're actually going to prioritise in the batting lineup where our domestic players are because we know they can play as good a role and we know that we're actually more likely to hold on to our domestic talent with our international players moving in and out. So I think it's a very fair assessment and I think we'll see teams shift the way the teams roll uh, over the next couple of WBBLs. Yeah, it's just going to get better and better. And now we've got an absolute cracker to look forward to on Wednesday night with the Stars taking on the Scorchers under lights at North Sydney Oval. What do you think has to happen for your Melbourne Stars to get across the line there? Oh, I think it's going to be about their big players. And I think there's been a, a couple of little sort of combinations that have worked really well. I've, I really like the the Lanning-Siver combination. I think we've talked a lot about Lanning and Villani, but I think that Nat Siver is playing a, a really crucial role for the Stars at the moment. And her strike rate's excellent, but they've got a really nice sort of partnership and they play really differently. So I think those two players firing is going to be really key. Um, and I think it's going to be also about the the leadership role that Catherine Brunt plays for the Stars. I think if she's really good up front, I think all the other bowlers in that lineup can just do the job that is required. And I think that's important for the Stars. And conversely, I think we saw the Scorchers have a pretty bad dramatic collapse yesterday afternoon what do they need to do to to upset the stars well hopefully get heather graham back into the side i think Mm -hmm. she was a massive loss in in that middle order i think she would have just held that innings together a a little bit nicer um so i think she's going to be really key and i think if the if mooney and divine get a start i think we really need to see them go deep within the innings um, and one of them really take it on if the scorchers are going to be successful just so they can allow the players in and around them, whether it be Paparo, Bolton, Heather Graham, to play those cameo roles in and around mm-hmm. one of them. But when they both go in quick succession, I think it makes it pretty challenging for the Scorchers to keep that momentum going. And then on Thursday night, Sydney Thunder versus the two-time champions, Brisbane Heat. 
If they're the Heat are on seven wins in a row, heaps of momentum, what do you think? they need to get right to beat the Thunder. Yeah, I think they've just got to roll with that momentum and, and keep playing without fear. I think the, when we're talking about Laura Commence and the way that she's been batting and Grace Harris, Jess Jonathan, I think they've, they've just got to make sure they don't pull the handbrake on at any point. They've just got to keep playing that free-flowing um, cricket that they have been playing. I think their dilemma is probably going to be more from a bowling point of view. We've seen bowlers coming in and out of their lineup, especially their paces. So what combination they want to go with. Georgia Presswich was outstanding the other day and took four wickets. How do you leave her out of a semi-final side? So I think it'll be getting the right matchups against the Thunder. That's going to be pretty key for that heat bowling lineup. If they can do that, I think they'll be very hard to beat. And on the other hand, what do you think the Thunder need to do to get into that final? It's been all about Haynes and Knight for me. I think they both have to fire. I think if they can do that, it sets them up really nicely. And Ishmael's spell the other day was very fast and I think she's going to have to produce another spell like that if the Thunder are going to be successful and it just allows their spinners to come in and take wickets through the middle order, which they've been very successful at doing. And chatting to about some of the teams that aren't going to be there this week, what did you make of the Sixers missing out for a second year in a row? Yeah, I've been saying the whole time that the Sixers only needed to make the final to potentially win it and I think that what that performance that we saw against the Stars probably showed that. I think what they're capable of and they're probably just regretting a couple of games in that middle that if they'd have got over the line there, I think we would be nearly talking about them as being the favourites to take out the title at this point in time with the performance that they had. So they're probably just ruining a, a few games in the middle where they didn't quite get it right. I think Ash Garner not being able to participate at the back end really kind of hurt them. But look, I, I think they're in a, they've got a great list I don't think they need to do too much differently. I think those, if they've got the same list next year, we'll be sitting here saying that we think that they're going to be a top four side. So um, I think people will talk about it because it's two years in a row, but I think they've probably just been unlucky at the back end. Yeah. Well, from your perspective, like you say, you don't think, think they'll see much of a list change, but do you think there is something that needs to change within the squad? I don't think so. I, I think they've got really nice diversity uh, within their team and they've got some really great young players. So when we think about another year into all of those young players, they, they're an even better side in the same way that I think the Stars young players have been better this season than what they were last year with just another another preseason under the belt. Annabelle Sutherland being a good example of that. So another year into Stella Campbell, Hayley Silver Holmes, these sorts of players, I think it's only going to make them stronger. So I think they'll they can probably guarantee Lauren Cheadle's probably another example as well. I think they can guarantee that they're going to be stronger next year. Um, so I wouldn't spend too much time thinking about it if I was the Sixers. Fair enough. And moving on to Hobart, how would you sum up their season and what might they need to tweak going forward? Yeah, I think recruitment's going to be massive for them. I think they will probably, um, unlucky with some injuries, I think it's going to be a lot about taking the best out of what was a, a pretty challenging season. I think Amy Smith was outstanding. I think Rachel Priest, they'd be getting her signature pretty sharply. I think whatever... Whatever she does on field is really important, but what she does off field is just as important. I think she's a great leader. And I think when we've got a young team from, from Hobart and they're going to have potentially a different group as well, I think you need that really good leadership. So I think Priest is pretty key to that. And Amy Smith, you add in the return of Maisie Gibson and Taylor Lemenick, they've all of a sudden got a little base, but I think they're going to have to find a way to, to get a little bit more out of their, their batting lineup. And probably looking at some some other options that are going to complement Bakariwa, Gibson, Valemic, 
Smith next season. And onto the Melbourne Renegades, they were another team that had a bit of a rough trot with injuries, but we saw what they were capable of at, on Saturday night at North Sydney Oval with Lizelle Lee leading them to a stunning win over the Sixers. What do you think might have to change in the Renegades camp for them to get back in the semifinals? Well, I'm very, I've got my fingers crossed that Jess definitely is going to come back and play next season. I think she was very critical for them in that middle order. And when we've got the likes of Lizelle Lee up top and Sophie Molyneux and you know, I think it becomes easier if a Jess Cameron all of a sudden is coming in at four and five. So I think having that middle order batter, if Jess Duffin doesn't come back and play, then they need to find another option in that middle order to set them up. Um, and from a bowling point of view, I think they still got the best spinners. I reckon if they could add one more pacey to that lineup, uh, maybe an out and out quick, I think that they would be very, very successful next season. And obviously the strikers were missing Susie Bates for almost the entire reason season which was a huge loss um what else would you how else would you assess their season oh I think they were pretty good for having such a big injury and and having the players in their middle really stepped up so I think that that we can sort of assume that their middle is actually pretty good with the addition of Maddie Penner I thought Tegan McFarlane was very good as well Amanda Wellington has stepped up into a batting spot it's probably going to be more about their overseas players I thought Wolvart was excellent um, and hopefully Susie Bates in there. But I think they, they need to probably get a little bit more out of their international players uh, to complement what they've, they've got. They know they have Megan Shute, who is world-class, but I think maybe a, a top-order batter um, might have just taken the pressure off them from a consistency point of view, which goes a long way to, to getting into WBBL finals. Yeah, there definitely wasn't a lot separating the eight teams this year, which was very good viewing. Now, Beamsy, do you dare predict a finals matchup? Oh, <laughs> well, I have to put the stars in that. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about that. But I, I think it'll be a stars heat. Um, I, I think that that I think that's the final we all want in our hearts. I think I think to see those yeah. two teams, they they had a great clash the other night, uh, and I think they play the game really differently. So mm-hmm. to have two teams in the WBBL final that are going to go into completely different ways to try and win it, I think will be really good viewing. Uh, so I've got my fingers crossed for a star seat. Beamsy, thank you as always for joining us on The Scoop. We can't wait for the finals. It's going to be an epic week and we'll chat to you next week. Beauty. Thanks, guys. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of The Scoop. Make sure you tune into the two semifinals on Wednesday and Thursday and, of course, the final on Saturday. They'll be free to air on The Seven Network. You can tune in on Foxtel, KO, or you can listen in on ABC Radio. Healy's awake. Australia awake. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanny. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title. Front of a magical crowd. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.